Welcome to BAM, the show where we chat about sports, the show where we chat about some entertainment, and then at the end of the show, we chat about sports entertainment, better known as wrestling, where your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well, we hope your weekend went well, and you've got a good week ahead. It's Monday afternoon, Monday morning, Boris. We're here, it's early, we're half awake, but we're ready to go. At least I am. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. It was a uh, pretty busy weekend overall. Kind of like I was nice. talking on the uh, the Rampage Ramble. Uh, Friday and Saturday were just busy. Didn't really do anything like that, like partying or anything. It was just, just, just ton, tons of family stuff uh, that I had to get to and uh, catch up. Tons of catch-up still uh, from all those weeks that I missed of doing so much. Uh, but overall, things are going very well. This week is uh, looking pretty busy. I think you and I have a very busy week coming up. Uh, might as well talk about that right off the top. So this week, I think I mentioned on the ramble. I don't even remember what I rambled about. So, <laughs> Which is especially true when you do a solo show, right? You just kind of talk and kind of forget about stuff. But this week... so. Today we have Monday BAM, Tuesday night, right after NXT. We are going to be recording NXT Talk, releasing that on all feeds. Wednesday and Thursday are being dedicated to the G1. Like I mentioned, we had this plan to cover the entire G1. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I got super sick. That wasn't going to happen. So, you know, in lieu of all of that, what we're going to do is we're going to be wrapping up the G1 with shows Specific, specifically reviewing and analyzing the semifinals and the finals. And that is going to go on all feeds for everybody. That's our Wednesday and Thursday. So it's four shows, four days for Boris and Matt. Yes, the BAM boys, you're going to be getting an earful this week. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to watch it all. NXT talk coming out Tuesday night. We usually post that Wednesday afternoon. But, yeah, we're going to record right after NXT because we're coming back Wednesday and Thursday with our G1 reviews. It is a busy week in professional wrestling. But uh, life is good, man. Life is good. Otherwise, I'm glad you had a good weekend. Saw you posting some pictures on social with a couple brews out yeah. there in the world. Yeah, yeah. Went to uh, uh, a brewery near us. Uh, I know that you go there a lot. Uh, you know, we always love the Great Lakes Brewery here. But, you know. When when you live near so many breweries, you gotta visit some. While Great Lakes is still number one, number one, Great Lakes. Um, you know, I went to to <laughs> one that we often go to. I don't think we've ever gone together, but it was uh, Blood Brothers. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's pretty close to the homestead. I uh, I was there not too long ago, just like I, I think two or three days ago, just at the bottle shop. Just grabbing eight cans for the weekend, you know. But uh, yeah, I love Blood Brothers. Really good local brewery. If you're in Toronto, check out Blood Brothers. Yeah, exactly. They have some very good beer, very good beer. And, you know, especially like if you're into the more flavored beer, they have a great selection of that. They always change it up. Really nice little like like bottle shop, but also nice little like seating area as well. Always busy on the weekends. You're always waiting for a seat, but a very, very, yeah. very cool little brewery, very cool little spot. And uh, it's one of my go-to places for, for our hood. Little hidden gem. Yeah, The unfortunately, just for space reasons, the outdoor part isn't like the best, although they do have an outdoor patio. 
It's just it feels pretty crammed. It's on like a street corner. Inside though, it's not bad at all. And uh, yeah, I love that spot, man. It's cool to have these little hidden gems. This is the best part about Toronto. All these yeah, honestly, beautiful it, little businesses like that. Yeah, if I decide to leave the area, man, like or even temporarily, it's gonna that's gonna be the shitty part. But it's so funny because like I bet you any money. We were talking about this last week that if I do leave, I'm gonna end up being around a lot more than I was. Yeah, that's funny, man. Well, you're definitely welcome to come by. If you do end up giving up the basement apartment, you, uh, you're you always welcome here to record in person. Uh, we're going to have to figure out some kind of studio situation in my house, though. I guess we could trick out the old bedroom here and clean it up a little bit. Yeah, we, really, it's just a lot of cables and what it comes down to, right? And yeah. and, and and for us, specifically, it's, it's room for laptop. I we need the laptops not only for recording but for notes and stuff like that because i don't take handwritten notes i do them all either on my phone or on my computer and that's kind of how i how i do my thing but apart from that i'm trying to think what is new that happened between yesterday that i recorded rampage ramble and uh, this show like you said no just just kind of like harassed the city went around the city uh got my boris walk in in the evening and yeah just um yeah, got a few hours of sleep, feeling pretty good, feeling energized. Like I say, this week nice. is going to be super busy, not only with SNME and BAM stuff, but just work in general, uh, you know, back on the road by the end of the month. And like I mentioned, uh, after this show at some point, I will be chatting with all of the hosts, seeing all of our schedules, uh, because the current plan, the standing plan, that could change is that we will have after parties for both clash at the castle and all out nice uh also boris there's something because on all out there's still an unconfirmed rumor that there's going to be an nxt exactly. show there's going to possibly be a takeover even some kind of nxt premium live event head to head with all out so if that happens are we doing a, a after pod yeah, we're doing an after cast. Um, yeah, no, no, no. That point. would suck for that would kind of suck for me for us because we'd have to not watch all out live. We'd have to watch the NXT thing live. We are the NXT boys at least for now. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll cross that bridge when we have to okay. cross that bridge. Um, remember, you. Monday is the Labor Day, right? So we can kind of do the the double header, do all out. That's yeah. after party, NXT record. You know. That is that is an excellent point, my friend. Although, yeah, and for for timeliness, for the sake of timeliness, I would like to get the show out right away. But will it be buried anyway? Will people just be listening to the Sunday night's main event, main show, the flagship, the mothership, the reason why you're all here? On top of the All Out review, on top of Clash of the Castle review exactly. from the night before, right? So maybe we're gonna get buried anyway. So maybe it would be wise to just to do it on Monday, Boris. To put it into BAM. There you go, buddy. I think you're on to something. I think maybe that's how we're, we're going to have to play special it. I like where your head's on. BAM NXT talk. Yes, yes. BAM XT talk. The Labor Day edition. I love it, buddy. Yeah, so so we'll see. Yeah, so tons of stuff still going on. And yeah, it just it's been a... It's it's been a summer, man. Like I say, I think just because I lost most of July, I look at the calendar. It's like, wow, we're already <laughs> August... 15th three more weeks today and it is labor day three weeks and one day kids are back to school crazy here in, crazy here in, in ontario 
Yes, yeah. Obviously, that varies from uh, province and state to state and across the world. We have all kinds of listeners across the world, uh, especially in Australia. Shout out our Aussie listeners. Uh, my friend just moved to Australia. and We're getting like daily updates on Aussie rules football as he falls in love with that absolutely I fucking insane sport. <laughs> love Aussie rules football. Like I watched it, it a little nice. bit as a kid and then about... A decade ago, I had my uh, a roommate, and for some reason, he loved it. So we would literally stay up at ungodly hours, or <laughs> or we would just you know walking in Be from up. the bar, yeah. you know, and start watching some Aussie Rules football. Um, every October, I go to Hemingways in um, in Toronto, in Yorkville, because they host an Aussie Rules football party for the championship for the grand finale that's awesome that's really i would check that out man yeah it seems like from all i have gathered professional wrestling on a field they have they have like theme music for victories and like body contact away from the ball is quite encouraged <laughs> and yeah. it's just yeah just a crazy sport it is pro wrestling on a field right up our alley well that's why i love rugby honestly like i i've i just absolutely love rugby for that reason um yeah, have you ever really watching rugby live is a hell of a trip. Yeah, I've never watched it live. I've tried on TV a couple of times. I can't really get into it, but I know nothing. It's it's basically like me watching cricket. I know nothing about the sport, the rules, the game at all. I'm just like, why is it not football? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, cricket yeah. is a sport that I want to learn, but I know that there's various rules and various lengths of the of the game so you know I, I just gotta find the right one for me that anytime i've tried it just it just hasn't clicked uh for me but yeah rugby i absolutely love um you know especially when they play the 20s the 20s is awesome and uh yeah that's that that's man it's just i love talk i just love sports like regardless of what it is it's just i remember back in the day same roommate it was the three of us my best friend this roommate and myself and we were watching that like Gaelic sport. It was like hockey, but with just sticks. Oh, like like field hockey? Yeah, but it was just it was, but it wasn't field hockey. It was like an actual Gaelic sport. Okay, I, I actually have no idea what you're talking about. I just put in Gaelic sport, and it came up Gaelic sport with sticks hurling the fastest game on grass. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, hurling, an outdoor game of ancient Gaelic-Irish origin, played primarily by men. So yep. there you go. I think, <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, they used to play it on Satanta Sports. We used to have Satanta Sports when they carried nice. the EPL. Um, and, and, yeah, you, you would get the craziest sports at, like, the, those ungodly hours. Uh, and that's, that's actually yeah. Yeah, so... It the looks other, like a lacrosse hockey hybrid. Like you kind of have to yeah. balance the ball on your stick. It, this it's is crazy. interesting. It's it's a very interesting sport. Don't know the rules. It's just something that we watched <laughs> when it was on. Right. Um, that was a tent of sports. Man, we'll talk about it in the sports section when when I talk. Give you the the EPL wrap up. Boris's EPL corner. Uh, but the coverage here in Canada is piss poor right now. Uh, you know, Dazone, Dazen, D A Z N, Dazone. Uh, I really wish that they kept it because not only do I have to, you know, pay for more streaming services, but the coverage is just piss poor. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, another weird sport that I actually found with my brother. 
in Vancouver. We were just flipping the channels, and I believe it was one of the TSN channels that had it on, and it was Formula E. Formula E. What's yeah. that? I'm not familiar. So with this that at is, all. you know, the same the same governing body that has F1, F2, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is the electronic car, the battery powered Formula huh. Grand Prix. Nice. Yeah. So it's the and Tesla it's races, basically, dude. But it's <laughs> so weird. Okay, first off, they they have a gauge for their battery, so. You know, ra- rather than gas, you see how much battery percentage they have, and oh my god, you're like you're looking at that thing. It's like, are they gonna make it? To, are they gonna make it to the pit? Are they gonna make it to the pit? Are they gonna get that battery replaced? Are they gonna be able to get that that that, that charge right? So there, there's a whole other element to to this. On top of the fact that like it's so weird because they make no noise, very little noise. Obviously, not as fast. But it's just a whole different thought process to this Formula E. If you ever get a chance, watch clips, watch a race, check out Formula E. Because the reality is, whatever you want to say at some point in the future, that most likely is going to be the future of, you know, racing in some shape, way, or form. I, I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. The technology just isn't there, right? There's something to be said about the IndyCar and F1 and all that. But Formula E is is a very interesting little, little you know, change. Um, and Canada's actually getting its first Formula E race in Vancouver, believe it or not. Go figure, of all places, right? <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, man. It's like you said, though, like the speed and the sound of Formula One is not going anywhere anytime soon. Although perhaps in our lifetime, maybe in our children's or their children's lifetime, if the world is still around, it will probably all be electric cars at that time. So, yeah, shout out to Mercedes's Stoffel Van Dorn, who won the Formula E world title one day ago for all our Formula E heads out there. <laughs> I watch the weirdest sports, man. Being up at all hours, I've always watched the That's weirdest crazy. sports. You have you have thrown a couple at me today that I have never heard of or considered before. Talking about weirdish sports, our uh, our actual national sport lacrosse is getting dope again. If you've watched the NLL lately, like it's it's been popping off. National Lacrosse League, it's starting to grow, starting to get a little bit more buzz. I think we might have to talk some NLL in the coming year. Agreed. Agreed. We might even have to bring in Mike for that one, considering he does uh, the announcing for the Saskatchewan team. I was just going to say we have a couple. Uh, we have a couple people who can talk with some knowledge about the NLL because Greg loves to go to national lacrosse yep. league games. We can bring in some smack-based fathers. We can talk to Mike, Saskatchewan Rush employee himself. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I think we owe it to Canada because our uh, our unofficial national sport, uh, hockey. Ooh, yeah. Dark clouds. This is a perfect segue. We've been kind of waiting to talk about this. We were going to talk about it a few weeks ago, even last week, but we were waiting for the World Juniors. If you remember, or if you don't know, the World Juniors are on, Matt. Believe it or not, you wouldn't have guessed. The World Juniors are on, happening, I believe, in Edmonton, Alberta, to empty crowds to an empty building which is just insane just truly insane first of all this is a christmas tradition but covid moved it to the summer this year so that in and of itself makes it weird but the big elephant in the room in canada right now 
is the sexual assault allegations, the, quite frankly, the graphic rape charge against or not charge, unfortunately, but the graphic rape allegations against some former players. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, man. And I think I don't know. It's so, just it's really it's really tough to talk about. But I think we owe it to the victim and to anybody who has ever dealt with a problem, even remotely approximating this to talk about it the way it is. You know what yes. I mean? Because I feel like it's been talked about with kid gloves. So we will be, for lack of a better term, a little harsh, a little blunt in this uh, next segment. Yep. So here's the gist. Hockey Canada, the national governing body, apparently, allegedly, you know, paid $3.5 million Canadian dollars to settle a lawsuit by a woman who accused eight members of the World Junior Team of sexually assaulting her back in 2018. That alone in itself is, you know, pretty huge because that's essentially hush money. They paid $3.5 million of hush money, uh, and, and there seems to not have been a real investigation. It was kind of, hey, this happened, and we're going to, like, make it go away, right? Now, things yes. only got so much worse because Hockey Canada... Uh, after an audit, acknowledged that the money came from a slush fund generated from hockey registration fees, including those from children. Which is just grotesque. Like, the implications of that, like, you send your kid to hockey and you're paying for the world junior team to assault girls? Like, yep. are you fucking kidding me? It was That's disgusting. On top of that, Matt, on top of that, through audits, through testimonials, through investigations, the fund uh, was 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 seen to had pay another seven point six million dollars to settle nine sexual assault and sexual abuse claims since nineteen eighty nine. 1989, which means longer than a lot of the listeners of this program have been alive. They have been covering these things up. And that's just that's just the ones on record. And as all of this was happening, it emerged that there was another allegation of sexual assault involving another national junior team back in 2003. Yes. And that one is tough because a lot of current even but definitely former nhl stars were on that 2003 team mark andre fleury was on that 2003 team and it's just it's just like how deep does this go and it's just yeah man it, it, it's just put a pall over what is the national game in canada and obviously it just kind of it, it kind of feels like hockey doesn't matter and and shouldn't matter you know, and it would be ignorant to be talking about how Canada is doing in this tournament right now. Like the real story is that this shit is happening. This all coming out right now, reminiscent almost of Vince McMahon in some ways, but different because it's a group of players and it's a culture that that is just so deeply ingrained in this country, man. Like how you you, you grew up in Canada, you know, hockey players to some extent. I grew up in small town, Ontario, very, very small town, Northern Ontario. We had a good hockey team in my high school, shockingly good for our amount of people. We, uh, I think we won off. So one year, which is like the Ontario wide championships. It was like a, a true underdog story, but these like collection of like 20 kids were like gods in my school for like that one year. And I can see how 
certain things like you know what i mean when like i can see how the snowball starts rolling downhill is what i'm trying to say and it's just it's it's just a complete lack of uh of any kind of consequences for actions for years and years and years and years leads a person to be able to think that they're invincible and also the whole bro culture of the early 2000s i don't know man i am not equipped to fully have this conversation obviously i'm just some asshole out there but it's disgusting it's to be a lifelong hockey fan and somewhat of a canadian patriot like i love this country i'm white i'm full of white privilege but i've been blessed to live in canada i like it here and it's just embarrassing to be a canadian it's embarrassing to be a hockey fan yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to see all this. You know, what I've always said about athletes today and, and, and them being able to get away with so much, right? Like, we've seen so many cases, you know, there there how many rape trials, you know, because he was, you know, he was so good at something. We don't want to ruin their precious little life, right? But we never think of the... The, the victims in all this, right? And that's the part that gets to me, um, number one. Number two, the thing that really has gone to me is Hockey Canada's just lack of, 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 of fortitude to investigate. And because of that, luckily, thankfully, sponsors have been dropping out left, right, and center. Yeah, thankfully. And uh, the head of Hockey Canada, the CEO, had to resign. Um I, I am fully in the belief that you kill it with sunlight. And if it's going to be a hard few years, even a hard decade for Hockey Canada, good. You deserve it. You put yourself in this situation. You made it such that it's embarrassing right now to be a hockey fan. You made it such that it's embarrassing to wear that jersey. You made the buildings empty. Your behavior, your culture, your disgusting bullshit. So you pay the fucking consequences now. But it just I it, I feel so bad for this woman who's been silent since 2003 who is once again having her shit taken through the ringer. The NHL is reaching out to her and she didn't want to cooperate with the NHL or Hockey Canada. And why would she? They didn't give a shit that she existed until this came out again, right? They didn't give a shit that she existed for the last 19 years. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 gross, man. It's tough times. And I, I do take a perverse enjoyment out of them being like playing to empty buildings. Like, fuck you. You deserve to have nobody here. But it just sucks. Like my family and I used to bond over the World Junior Tournament. We used to talk about it all the time. And like my sister brought it up a little bit like, oh, wow, the World Juniors are starting. But it's just like we don't care about it this year, you know, and uh, it's just it's just a really uh, sad that even at the highest level, all the hockey bros, all the worst fears and nightmares you have about these stereotypes of people. Some of them are true, man. Some of them are true. Yeah, exactly. And then, like you said, I think like shining a light in this is, is by far step one of the entire process, step two of the entire process. The part that really got to me is the fact that the board and the CEO for the longest time refused to 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 resign. It's like I remember the CEO. His name is, is, is just left my head right now. And he was essentially saying he wants to see this through. He wants to see the changes implemented bro you're the one who created this 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 shameful system you need to step aside we need a absolute clean slate moving forward at this point so it's just to me that just fear of people finding out more 
Yeah, like yeah, it's he's not solely responsible, no. but you're the captain of the ship. You drove the fucking thing into the iceberg. You don't get to be like, well, I want to be around for the repairs. Shut the fuck up and go away. That's not how it works. <laughs> yep. So the New York Times has an excellent article about this that was released yesterday, uh, written by Ian Austin. That's the New York Times. Uh, the article is called Sexual Assault Revelation Turned Canada's National Game into the Nation's Shame. Here's an excerpt from it that, like, to me was just uh, striking. So I'll read a little bit. The pandemic shifted one of Canada's longstanding holiday rituals, the World Junior Championship, from December to the middle of summer. But even allowing for that, the absence of a crowd before the Canadian team's first game this week was striking. Here's the... Okay, so that's end of quote. Here's the part that I really want to highlight. In a fan zone with sprawling television screens outside of the NHL arena in downtown Edmonton, a DJ entertained a group that never surpassed a dozen people in the hour before Canada took on Latvia in its first game. That's wild, man. That's like some that's like a documentary. That's like a movie waiting to happen. Like someone should go and get some footage of that because that's like haunting. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like such a and such a, 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 a encapsulation of where we're at right now, unfortunately, just because this summer has been so devastating for Hockey Canada and rightfully so and rightfully so. Exactly. And, you know, and I do hope that people are recording this because I, this is stuff that we can't forget. This is stuff that needs to be highlighted. This is stuff that we need to remember. This is an embarrassment and a black eye to the unofficial national sport of Canada. Right. Like this is the stuff I want to see, you know, a few years down the road. You know how we on Netflix, there's that uh, Woodstock documentary for Woodstock 99. I want to see something yeah. about this so that people can remember this and never forget the the shame that all of this is bringing to 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 can't to, it's hockey it's hockey man um, well man it's just like think of like the hockey players that you knew growing up in small town hockey and multiply their worst behaviors and their entitlements and their the fact that they've been spoiled by a hundred by a thousand and then set them loose in a foreign country like it's the these were uh, in, in in most cases, children making these mistakes or or like 19, 20 year old people who are just very, very young. So I, I do think there needs to be a, a degree of and there has been a degree of education happening. And I think that's really good. Having said that, that's the, the very, very bare, barest of minimums, bare, bare minimum that you can do in this situation. Uh, would you, there needs to be a, a, a culture change from the ground up in hockey. And I don't fucking know how you do something like that, man. That's like, that's like decades of work. Yeah. This is not a short term project. This is going to take years and years. Uh, and you know, this is just the culture change that we need to have, not only in hockey, but in other sports. Uh, you know, I think that this is really going to start highlighting some of the issues, right? Like let's not even touch on gymnastics canada and usa right like that's that's just a whole other can of worms yeah oh my god yeah absolutely but i do feel like it seems like there have been some people who have been punished and it seems like i don't know 
anything about gymnastics, but as a, as an outsider who knows nothing, it seems as though the culture is starting to shift there somewhat, at least some of the worst abusers and monsters have been found out. Right. So hopefully that happens. It's just gross here because Canada hockey Canada knows the names. They know where the bodies are buried and they are still covering a lot up and they, there's still going to be a giant gulf of trust between the casual fan, the patriotic Canadian fan and the actual hockey team until they start like actually it, I, I don't want to be like a torchbearer, like name the names, but they kind of need to like punish some people for this. They kind of yep. need some kind of retribution, some kind of consequences here. Yep. So we'll be following this story. We'll be kind of uh, giving people updates on this show and we'll see what happens. But at the end of the day, things need to change. All right, Matt, let's play a game. 61 and 52 and three and seven in their last 10 games. Who am I? Toronto Blue Jays? Bingo. 61 and 52 on the season, three and seven in their last 10 games. After what many, or at least I will say, is a disappointment of a weekend against the Cleveland Guardians. Things are starting to get a little shaky here. Yes, we still are holding the number one wildcard spot in the AL. That means that we are luckily going to be playing at home. Now, that's key because our pitchers cannot play away from the Sky Dome, apparently. <laughs> but what's scarier, though, is that right now we have a 30-40 and 40 record against teams with a 500 record or better. That's 30-40 and 40 with teams that have a 500 record or better. So uh, simply put, we play well against bad teams and good teams beat us. So it doesn't bode well for the playoffs, man. If you look at our roster, if you look at the, the pitching, the bullpen, be honest with yourself. I don't think this is a World Series team. Cleveland right now does lead the AL Central. They are having a good season. And if the playoffs started today, would we not be playing Cleveland? Yep. That's exactly so, how it would be going. Right. So. I mean, I think that was a good test for us. Uh, and it was a test that ultimately we failed, which is fine, though. It's a learning experience. I think we saw th- this is this is a team that the Jays could realistically play in the playoffs. And I don't know. I, I, I like the Jays to win around. I think if it came down to it, they could beat Cleveland. I don't think they have a chance against the Yankees or Houston. At the end of the day, I don't think they're going to win the World Series this year. They need a, they need a couple more arms still. Of course. And and that was like, you know, the the, the big takeaway, right? And um, again, we can talk about the, the, the trade deadline, but what are we going to do? Sell the farm for a couple arms, a couple tra- uh, uh, rent the players. Well, yeah, that's not what I want to do, right? All right, so. Let's let's talk some serious stuff here in terms of the baseball playoffs and the wild card. Remember, there is no more game, no more game 163. They are now determining rankings based on head-to-head records. These are records against teams that are likely to make the playoffs in the American League. Baltimore Orioles were 2 and 4. Chicago White Sox were 4 and 2. Cleveland Guardians were 2 and 4. Houston Astros were 4 and 2. Minnesota Twins, three and four. New York Yankees, four and eight. Seattle Mariners, two and five. Tampa Bay Rays, four and six. Now, most likely the Yankees are going to dominate 
keep dominating even though right now they're not dominating uh but most likely the yankees are gonna take the al top spot which means that we're gonna have to get a wild card spot we better get that coveted number one of three wild card spots um right now you know things are looking pretty good but things can be very 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 tough um yeah it looks like we're going to be playing the cleveland guardians or the twins or the white Sox at this point yeah there's lots of lots of baseball left so actually um yeah so we're we've switched to the old nfl playoff rules it's six teams so the if the jays get the first wild card spot they host a playoff series they wouldn't yeah. play Cleveland right now. They would play Seattle right now. Yeah, right we now. spoke. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying in, in general. True. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I think you're right. I just wanted to clean that up. Earlier in the podcast, I misspoke. Toronto would play Seattle right now, and they would host that series, which would be interesting. All three games. Uh, yeah, true, because it's, yeah, two out of three for the wild card series. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't worry yet. It's just there's so much baseball left. There's still all of September and half of August, so... Yep. And here's we the just thing. Gotta hope. We just got to hope for some pitching. Yeah. So here's the thing. We have 35 of 49 games against AL East teams, which bodes okay for us, you know, but there's only one team in the AL that's under 500 right now, and that's the Boston Red Sox. And currently, as of today, August 15th, they are 56 and 59. So yeah, things are not easy, and I remember around the, the you know the the, the All Star break, you know they were really saying that apparently Toronto, the Jays had one of the hardest second half schedules, and a lot of the teams that are in the wild card hunt with us, like the Guardians, like the Mariners, like the Twins, um, you know those teams are all have a much and the Orioles have a much easier schedule. Now, this week we have a very very tough uh couple series. We are 3 games against Baltimore, which is the team just breathing down our necks. Baltimore Orioles. Who would have ever thought that we'd be talking about the Baltimore Orioles August 15th and a potential playoff spot. And then we have a four-game series against the New York Yankees. Yeah, that Yankees series, obviously humongous. Yeah, Baltimore, they're a year ahead of schedule or two. Nobody thought it was going to happen yet. Adley Rushman looks like an excellent prospect, could be one of the better players in baseball. Uh, in a couple of years, Baltimore's nasty, man. They're, they're on the come up. Yeah, exactly. Baltimore's is, is for sure for sure that. Uh so things are not looking potent, like they're not looking great for the Jays, right? But here's the thing. I knew going into the second half of the season, especially the, like the after the first quarter of the season when the Yankees kind of stole the AL East, that things were going to be tough. Or you already saw the the cracks in our team. Um and what's really hurting us is George Springer being away. There's something about George Springer when he's just completely away from the team via injury that it's like we just lose we just lose it. There's something that George Springer brings even to the bench that just really helps the team. And, and you know, he just goes to show you how important he is to the organization. That's a really good call. I haven't actually even thought of it in those terms, but you're right, man. Just look at the results. I'd like to see the record the Jays have since signing him with him in and out of the lineup. 
Yeah, that would be a very interesting stat to take a look at because I, I know it's a very daunting stat um, because they were talking about it at some point in some one of those 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 uh, review shows. And yeah, so things are looking pretty iffy for the Jays. Let's talk about my other team, the L.A. Dodgers. They are ever since signing Joey Gallo, I think they're 11 and 0. Wow, the Joey Gallo, the the experience. That's amazing. I think the Dodgers are laughing now that Tatis from the Padres is suspended for the rest of the season and the playoffs and the start of next season. The Dodgers are definitely the team to beat in the National League. So let's talk about that real quick. Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended. Is it 80 games? 80 games for a first-time PED offense, yes. Oh, man. That's, you see, that's. You know, the pressures, right? Like, we, I always talk about the pressures in baseball and PEDs. You know, the people who I always feel bad for are those players who are kind of on the, on, on the brink, on, on that cusp, that line, the Mendoza line of AAA and making a big league roster, right? Like, those are the people who feel the pressure often of PEDs, who they need to up their game just a little bit uh, to take PEDs. I have zero, zero remorse for people like a, and superstars like a Tatis Jr. who take PEDs, people are trying to make excuses that you know he was taking something to help with his injuries so that he can recoup faster, etc., etc., etc. At the end of the day, he knows what's legal, he knows what's not legal. He wants to be there because he knows that his team is making a huge run for that championship. Uh, so you know, tough shit, brother. Hey, man, uh, death taxes, baseball players doing steroids. We we came up in the steroid era when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were just shattering home run records and Barry Bonds was just shattering what we thought the human forehead could achieve. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I don't know. This is just nothing. This is nothing to me, of course. I, I, I'm still of the belief that 75% of athletes are all on steroids all the time. Yep. So yeah, Dodgers are just 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 running away with it. Top team in the league, and you know right now they are the odds-on favorite to win the World Series, and they they are looking really good. You know, Dodgers are do typically Dodgers are doing what the Yankees are doing, right? Where they had this super hot start, and then they kind of just fade away around the August September time, which to me always scares me. But right now they're getting hot at the perfect time, and I hope they can keep this up, and I hope that Kershaw can come back feeling better than ever, get his rest in, and be ready for the playoffs because even though he's getting a lot older, Kershaw to me is such an important piece of the puzzle for the Dodgers to win the World Series. Yeah, I can't dispute any of that, man. Dodgers at this moment, 79-34, and 34, best team in baseball by five whole games, 250 runs uh, plus in the run differential, yeah, nine and one in their last 10, man, these guys are crazy. So yeah, your top five teams in baseball right now are Dodgers, Mets, actually uh, slightly ahead of the Astros. The Yankees have fallen quote unquote to fourth in the league and your defending champion Atlanta Braves are the fifth best team in baseball. So I think one of those five teams are going to win the world series. Yeah. It's pretty and, and safe Atlanta- to say. Atlanta's quiet good right now. Like, you know, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people over the next month. And I hate to say that just because I hate Atlanta. But, you know, they they are a great franchise right now. They have, they're such a quiet, sneaky, good team. 
I mean, as hot as the Dodgers have been, technically Atlanta's the hottest team in baseball. Winners of their last six, they have the longest winning streak going right now. The Braves are good, man. They're they're wearing the championship belt for a reason. They don't hand those things out to nobodies. Yep. So speaking of 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 oh man, I don't even know how to segue into this. Rasmussen. Drew Rasmussen of the Tampa Bay Rays. Perfect game on Sunday going into the ninth inning. First pitch of the ninth inning. Uh, Jorge Mateo gets a double in left field to ruin a perfect game. Matt, I got to ask you. You know, uh, as an athlete, I'm sure you want to ruin that perfect game. But at the same time, I'm sure that there's a little piece of you that feels like shit. Uh, it depends, for sure. Uh to our listeners out there and, and yourself, have you are you familiar with John Boys? Uh, John Boy, the uh, SB Nation YouTuber slash no. internet personality. So this guy's awesome. He did a he he's does awesome videos about sports. Definitely check him out if you like sports. Go pop his name into YouTube right now. J O N B O I S. Uh, anyway, so he did a great series about Toronto Blue Jays legend, arguably best pitcher in Jays history, Dave Steve, oh. and his lost no hitters and perfect games. And there is an interview with a player who broke up his second straight no hitter in eight and two thirds. That's not a lie. Dave Steve went back to back, almost no hitters. And on the last batter of the game, in two straight games, a feat that will never be duplicated again, he lost his no-hitter. And on the second one, the guy looks like he's at a funeral when he's being interviewed. He just feels so bad that he took this away from Dave Steve. But he's an athlete, too. He's trying to win, right? But yeah, no, that was that was the primary example of the athlete actually feels like shit that he broke up this guy's perfect game. So Drew's here's here's an interesting thing about Drew Rasmussen. It's funny that you bring up Dave Steeb and his many many attempts to getting that no hitter. There's been documentaries about that, like mini documentaries and stuff. So it's really well done. This his last outing, he pitched eight perfect sorry, eight perfect innings against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so yeah, this is this is just crazy. Poor guy, poor freaking guy. Yeah. yeah, man, eight eight innings. He he was like you said, the first pitch I believe of the ninth yep. inning, right? Just just Gonzo. So at least he didn't have to worry about it. Didn't have to suffer too much, you know. Didn't uh, like his. Could you imagine getting two batters closer and then losing it, losing it all, and then laughing it off, getting the ball back in five days, and then doing it again, getting all the way to the last batter. And then fucking it up. Yep. That's what happened to Dave Steve. Exactly. So God, so God bless Drew Rasmussen. I think you'll be fine. He will bounce back. Still an incredible game for the kid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. So one thing I did want to clear up is the Dodgers winning streak is over now at 12 games. So that's yeah, that's they, why the Braves are the hottest team right now. Yes, because they lost last night, right? Yep. So they are a, a measly, a meager 9-1 and one in their last 10. Fucking yep. losers. They are fucking losers. <laughs> uh, no, the Dodgers. Uh, I think uh, Dodgers, Yankees, Dodgers, Astros. We could be in for an excellent, excellent playoff in the world in, in and World Series. Yep. All right. Let's talk some APL quickly. Uh, Liverpool is playing today, April 15th against Crystal Palace. 
the weekend saw some interesting, not shocking results, except for one game. And the 35th minute, the Red Devils of Manchester were down 4 nothing, 4 nothing after what? 35 minutes against Brentford. And now Manchester United is at the bottom of the Premier League. Is there a chance that they're going home? Are they getting relegated? No, Are they going down? I don't think they're that no. bad. I don't think they're that okay. bad. I don't think they're that bad. But, you know, I've, I've been saying it for years. Blow it up. Just blow it up completely. Blow it up completely. Look at your academy. Blow it up completely. You know, we've struggled essentially since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, uh, you know, back in, what, 2013? Like, this is a very, very long time at this point, um, and it's just really, really bad. Um, Man City, uh, you know, they're at the top of the table. They beat Bournemouth 4 nothing. Arsenal also has a maximum six points after two games. Uh, they beat uh, Leicester 4-2. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also worth noting here, uh, my only contribution to EPL is how's Tony Khan doing? So Fulham through two games, two draws, two goals for, two goals against, 22 yep. twos for Fulham and Tony Khan. Yep, there you go. And then the other interesting battle had to do with former player Steven Jard won his first managerial clash with former England teammate Frank Lampard as Aston Villa beat Everton 2-1. to one. Nice. That's that like FIFA 02 team right there. I know. I remember those guys. Yep. Yep. So there you go. That's the EPL in a nutshell. <sighs> oh, United. Oh, mother effing United. I mean, as somebody who respectfully doesn't know or care much about the EPL, I love I love soccer. Like I used to play it when I was a kid. I enjoy the sport a lot. But I'm I'm hardcore cheering for my man U to get relegated. Sorry, buddy, but uh, it's just the most interesting thing that could possibly happen. Anyways, um, <laughs> moving on to wrestling, let us talk some Impact Wrestling before we go on to one of your crazy lists. How does that sound? Crazy. Crazy like a fox. No, that sounds right. It's pretty crazy. All right. So, Impact Wrestling, we're going to be chatting some emergence. Uh, so, this show, we're gonna. I'm going to talk about the main show. All right. A very good match. Uh, good. I was expecting more, I think. Was Jack Evans versus Speedball Mike Bailey for the X Division Championship. Uh, it was okay. It was pretty good. Bailey won, obviously, but I was I think my expectation of this match was higher than what I actually got. Nah, it, it happens from time to time. You see those names on the marquee, but Jack Evans is recovering from a pretty serious injury. So it's just good to see him back in the ring. Uh good Canadian boy Mike Bailey defending the title. That's good to hear. So Mike Bailey, this was the pay-per-view opener, I imagine. Yep, it was. Second match of the night, saw Steve Macklin versus Sammy Callahan. Uh so this match kind of didn't even start they start brawling back and forth all through the arena and eventually goes to the back and that was that no winner match didn't even start interesting and we would correct me if i'm wrong see it again later in the show right we'll talk about that in a little bit ah, right. number three violent by design eric young and diener with joe doring versus chris sabin and kushida it was imperceptible to the listener, but I could feel your blood run cold when I pronounced that word that way just now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how did you feel about this tag team match, Chris Saban and Kushida, the the time splitter spinoff? 
Let me tell you about this one. Impact Plus started failing me at this point. Ah, brutal. So, but what I did see was pretty good. Um, you know, Kushida's looking so good. He's 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 looking great. Uh, he's look he's he's looking rejuvenated. He's looking happy. He's looking fantastic. Um, and you know, Eric Young. There's a guy who, who, I honestly forgot how good he is. Eric Young is a man. He really showed up and showed out uh, in that match against Josh Alexander, arguably the best match of his career, possibly one of the best of Josh's career, too. Yeah. And since then, Young's been on a uh, on a little bit of a heater. It's like one last run for him, but he's he's really taking some pride. He's doing some really good work. Yep. Now, what's I wanted to point out that, you know, they had a pretty good crowd. It's still not in arenas. Uh, but you know the crowd was more than just like you know a flat a flat row of fans. They did have some heightened raptor like heightened seats, um, bleachers as they call them, technically. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty good crowd for Impact. And I did want to point out that Bound for Glory in October is going to be in Al- I believe Albany, and the arena that they're in holds about will hold about three thousand people for wrestling, which is not bad sizable crowd for uh tna these days for sure but i'm telling you man look through the internet there's some hype around impact right now definitely i think the lack of crowd hurts it more than anything Mm -hmm. it makes the show feel more boring for lack of a better word than it is it's actually a a very pretty good wrestling show (laughs) yep all right so um going back to the card violent that by design end up winning didn't end up seeing the end to that match after that Gia Miller's interviewing Green and Perrazzo they said that they knew how good they always were and now everybody else is going to know too and they are collectively known as VXT uh, so that was that the next match was Horace versus Bandito dude nice good lucha thing oh man it was so freaking good this was a triple A attraction match so freaking good. Uh, yeah, here's Bandito, Bandito legitimately one of the more underrated wrestlers in all of professional wrestling. Yep. I, it's kind of like Ray Fenix, right? Him, I feel like him and Ray Fenix are underrated in a sense. Oh, in almost every sense. Absolutely. Ray Phoenix is a little more rated just in terms he he has a bigger platform right he does more things that more people have seen bandito is is every bit as good though right there anyway like maybe 90 percent is good yeah this was really good man i really enjoyed this match and one thing that i really did appreciate about this was it, it wasn't or over choreographed right and that's my one thing about lucha matches especially here north in 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 the states where they try to showcase a little too much where it seems a little too choreographed. I think they did a great job. Bandito ends up winning this match. Nice, nice. That's really good to hear. Yeah, because I love a good hate-filled, bloody Lucha brawl. Not that this was that, but I like it when Lucha feels more spontaneous and less like a dance. Yeah, and that's my one. Everyone was praising the Lucha match from Ric Flair's last match. It was good, but it was a little too choreographed for my liking. A little too much waiting uh, for the next uh, maneuver, as they say. Yeah, I felt the same way about the AAA, the five-way match from the AAA Triple Mania show that we put on our top 122 list. Like, obviously, the spots they pulled off were incredible, but it's just a lot of waiting for the next spot to be pulled off. 
All right. The next match was Sammy Callahan versus Steve Macklin, part two, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> so this one actually did happen. This match was all right. I don't know. I'm just... I, I just... Enough with the anything goes matches and Sammy Callahan. I want to see him in a straight up wrestling match. It's just we've seen it. We've seen it over and over. It's kind of his shtick, you know? Yep. All right. So Sammy Callahan ends up winning this. The next match was a match that personally I was not looking forward to because I don't have any more time for honor no more. It interests me. No mas. Uh, so it was Honor No More, Mike Bennett, Matt Taven, Vincent, Eddie Edwards, and PCO versus Bullet Clubs, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, and Hikuleo in a no DQ match. Um, if, yeah. So, and if, this, I, I really didn't care for this match. Uh, Honor No More ends up winning. They're still a group. They get their tag team title shot. Whoop de doo. Yeah, so had Bullet Club won, Honor No More would have had to had permanently disbanded, right? So ooh, yep. they're still around. So eat shit boars. Yep. <laughs> You'll be watching more of this group. Yep. All right. Mia Yim versus Jordan Grace for the Knockouts World Championship. If you like female wrestling, women's wrestling, professional wrestling, watch this match. I think I say this after every Mia Yim match, but this was Mia Yim's best match since returning to Impact. Jordan Grace, just such a good champion. Love her with the belt. But Mia Yim was honestly like the standout performer performer for me in this match. Nice. Yeah, I feel like Mia Yim kind of has been lost in the shuffle in the past couple years a little bit. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Grace ends up winning this one. Really, really good match. And then the main event was Alex Shelley versus Josh Alexander for the Impact World Championship. Matt, this is going to for sure make a high spot in our top nice. 122. Nice. Yeah, Alex Shelley career resurgence continues. Looking at Wikipedia, this match went 27 minutes and 29 seconds. Wow. Yep. After the 20-minute mark, the match goes from 60 to 100. It was so good. It was back and forth. It was like, who? And, and it was one of those things where you kind of knew that Josh Alexander was going to win. But in the back of your mind and the way that they, the storytelling that they were t going with in this match, you know, for a couple uh, spots there, you really did think that maybe, maybe Alex Shelley is going to get that one last run. Awesome. That's, that's all you want out of a wrestling match is to get you to suspend that disbelief, Boris. Yeah, exactly. Um, having said that, uh, Alexander picks up a C4 spike, gets the win. He's still champ. Overall, man, this show was tremendous. It honestly felt like a pay-per-view and not just an impact special. I'm going to have to give the entire show four and a half. Uh, no, let's go four. Let's go four Dixie Carters out of five. <laughs> all right. All right. So definitely have to watch the main event from this one. It's on the list. I still actually, I, I haven't seen the match where Josh Alexander actually beats Moose for the title. Uh, I think the second time, right? But anyway, no, it's probably the first time he beats Moose because Moose interfered the first time he won the title. Anyway, yep. Boris, uh, so that's another Josh Alexander match that I need to add to the list. Yep. All right. So over the past couple nights, over the weekend, I've been watching some GC dubs. Do you mind if I talk a little GC dubs? GC oh, please. 
actually, yeah, I'll be right back. You vamp, you do your GCW thing. I'm going to refill my coffee because I did not watch any GCW. Although I did see pictures of Matt Cardona bleeding. Yeah. So I'm just going to give it a quick thing. So to be exact, the show is GCW Homecoming, effectively their biggest show of the year. Um, so similar to Impact, I'm just going to run down the card, give you my, my overall thoughts, tell you what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch. So we're going to start night one, part one, GCW Homecoming 2022, um, Starboy Charlie versus Nick Wayne. Dude, this match was so good. Nick Wayne making a name for himself. We talk about him. We wrote about him in Slam. He's getting tons of attention for being so freaking young. And Starboy Charlie is just, again, another very uh, young up-and-coming uh, indie star. And this match was really freaking good. Nick Wayne ends up getting the win here. Yeah, Starboy Charlie, if you've never seen him, is like a Marco Stunt-type Pokemon. Very, very small. Excellent wrestler, though. I think he's better than Marco, probably. I think so. Uh, all right. So then we had Jordan Oliver versus Ninja Mac. Uh, Jordan Oliver ends up winning this match. Um, okay match. Uh, the scramble match. It was what it was. Gringo Loco ends up winning. Don't have time for these type of matches. A match that I thought was relatively good. Should you go out of your way to watch it? I don't know. Maybe. But it's not a match that you're going to remember a week from now, two weeks from now, and that's Tony Deppin versus Blake Christian. Nice, nice. Blake Christian, yeah, the uh, former Mr. Cora Jade out there on the indie scene. Tony Deppin's a good wrestler. Maybe if Blake spelt a name B-L-A-K-K-E, he would still have her. <laughs> See what I did there? Nice. I did. I saw All it. right. So Blake Christian ends up getting the win here. Like I said, pretty good match, but it's not like one of those memorable, memorable matches, right? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. All right. After this, we saw the GCW World Tag Team Championship match. The Briscoes end up getting the, the belts off of Los Macisos. Interesting. So, yeah, they, they were previously GCW champions, right? They won them back. Yep, they want him back. Also, am I seeing correctly that one of Los Macisos was Ciclope? Yep. Nice. Yep. He lives. Yep, he lives. All right, so after this match, uh, the second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice, come out. Uh, you know, they essentially lay down the challenge September 3rd in Chicago. Uh, it'll be a, uh, a full on um, tag team scramble. Uh, we saw Cole Radrick versus Charlie Evans for the GCW Extreme Championship. I don't have time for these types of matches. Um, so Cole Radrick ends up winning um, in the match that I literally had no time for. And that was a death match where we saw freaking blades, literal knives and people blading each other with knives. You had John Wake Murdoch versus Matt Tremont. Yeah, that's why I don't watch GCW, man. The uh, deathmatch stuff is just, it's just too much for me. John Wayne Murdoch wins. And then another match I didn't really have time for was the GCW Ultraviolet Championship match. Um, yeah, Rina Yamashita ends up winning this. Again, a little too much stuff. 
it's not for me. It's not for me. I'm sure a lot of people loved it, and I know a lot of people that loved it, but it just, you know, I'm past my angst ECW years. I went, yeah, I lived I, through the original ECW, right? <laughs> Feel you. You were, you were, Sandman was pulling, pulling beer down your gullet. You were 15, 16 years old, Boris. 14, oh, 13. <laughs> crazy uh yeah i i don't begrudge anybody who likes death matches or intergender matches it's fine wrestling's fake it's fine if that's your thing these are performers who agree to do what they do but i can't think of anything i want to see on planet earth less than an intergender death match on a gcw show honestly i'd watch i i don't even know i'd I'd watch a full year of fox news before i watch that match like straight up like i'm over it (laughs) All right, GCW World Championship match. It was Effie versus John Moxley. This was a bunch of fun. Effie just being Effie, John Moxley being John Moxley. This match was fun. Go out of your way and watch this match. Uh, John Moxley ends up winning this match. Uh, Nick Gage comes out after the match, challenges Moxley to a title V career match, essentially. Uh, so that's going to happen in a uh, little bit of time. Nice. Moxley versus Gage, title versus career. Do you think uh, Nick Gage retires, or that's just a way to get the belt off Moxley? I have no clue. Honestly, I can see both things going. Both scenarios, actually, being true. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll get into part two, because it feels like maybe Nick Gage has something on the horizon, so maybe he will be winning this title. Yep. All right. Uh, Part two, scramble match. It was what it was. Cole Radrick is still your GCW Extreme uh, champion. Uh, Maki Ito makes her debut in GCW. Nice. That's fun. Love to see Maki Ito. Yep. Uh, so Sheik had fought Maki Ito. Maki Ito ends up winning this match. It was an okay match. Watch it for the Maki Ito. Ito. Yeah, sorry, Maki Ito versus Dark Sheik. I like that match a lot. I like Dark Sheik. Yeah, um, it was a pretty good match overall. It was a pretty good match. It it, it was a very fast-paced match, and, you know, watch it for the Maki Ito-isms. All right, Kevin Blackwood versus Ninja Mac. Pretty good cool. match. Ninja Mac wins. Ninja Mac, I want to see him featured more. Oh, Ninja Mac is doing awesome work in Noah in the juniors division of pro yes. wrestling. Noah, Ninja Mac is an incredible athlete, especially for his size. It's kind of like a little chunky luchador. Yep. All right. A match that I really enjoyed was Second Gear Crew, Mance Warner, Matthew Justice, and Manders versus Blake Christian, Jordan Oliver, and Nick Wayne. Oh, that's an interesting trio. Both sides. I like Mance Warner. He's really made a name for himself over the last couple of weeks, I think, with his AEW appearance. Yeah, and that's the beauty of AEW at times, right? Um, at times. At times. Uh, second Gear Crew ends up winning this match. That was that. Then, for me, the match of the weekend, Starboy Charlie uh, versus Mike Bailey. Oh, interesting. So this was some flippy little boys doing some flippy boy shit, but I'm excited to see this one. I'll check this one out. Yep. Um, Mike Bailey ends up winning with a Flamingo Driver. I'm seeing here in someone else's notes that he uh, tombstone Starboy Charlie through a door. Yes. Yeah, there was some crazy. There was some stuff happening here. It was a pretty it was a pretty fun match, uh, but it was. Yeah. Mike Bailey, just just give him all the belts. Give him all the belts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd like to see him get a run with the Impact World Title. Ba- Bailey versus Josh Alexander would be an excellent match. 
Yeah, exactly. All right. After this, we saw a Charlie Evans and Everett Connors versus Effie and Alley catch. Okay. Again, not into the mixed uh, uh, intergender stuff. Uh, yeah. So that was this was it was whatever. Yeah, it feels like a comedy match. Yep, pretty much. Uh, the ultra violent championship match. Uh, Rina Yamashita ends up winning this match. Uh, we saw Los Mazizo, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo versus Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. Oof. So they went intergender ta- uh, intergender death match followed by tag team death match? Yep. Ah, yeah. See, if I like, that's why I don't want GCW again. I'm not going to belabor the point. But if I went to a GCW show, as soon as I saw like the deathmatch champion come out, I would just like leave for an hour. I would just go get a sandwich or something. Yep, exactly. Um, Alex Colon and John Wayne Murdoch end up winning this match. All right. Then the Cardonas renew their vows. You have to see what how Matt Cardona was dressed if anyone watched SummerSlam 1991 you would love it and the match made that's from heaven. amazing that's amazing I actually have a picture right here and yeah I can confirm he is macho man Matt Cardona do you know who officiated this ceremony I do uh winner of <laughs> tough enough season one maven yeah fact. this was absolutely insane oh this man. was a fun ceremony to watch and I Look, because it's GCW in indie wrestling, you know, sometimes these non-wrestling skits can go a little too far, a little too much creative freedom, right? But this was just the right amount of insane. Awesome. I I think Matt Cardona gets it. I I would venture that he he put this thing together or was like chief among the people who did put this thing together. I bet there was a lot of Cardona in this. And uh, just from everything we've seen from this man in the past, a friggin' decade it seems like he really gets it he yep. understands how to get himself over for yep. sure exactly all right maki ito sang a song for the happy couple to start amazing. the ceremony that was amazing then matt cardona thanks the gcw universe <laughs> gotta love it yep he then says that he put gcw on the map he reads his vows, reads a poem. Jimmy Lloyd came out as the ring bearer. He then loses the ring. Maven asked if anybody objected to the Cardonas reviewing their vows. This is when Blake with 1K comes out. Christian, uh, he hugs uh, Cardona. Allie Catch made her way out with a gift. Catch said she wasn't there to object, but she wanted to thank Cardona in green. Cardona opened the gift, and it was some spray for his hair. Maven got on with the ceremony, announced Cardona and Green as husband and wife. This is when Nick Gage comes out. He makes his way with Dewey Donovan. Uh, Gage smashed Cardona's um, dad with a tube, laid out Cardona with a spine buster. Ali Catch put cake in Green's face and delivered a pile driver. Gage hit Cardona with a tube before trashing the stage. Gage pulled out a pizza cutter and started using it on Cardona's forehead. <laughs> Awesome. I'm not the hugest Nick Gage guy, but that is an amazing way to use him. Also, he hit Cardona's dad with a light tube. Yes. <laughs> Crazy. That's a good ballsy for Matt Cardona's dad to take that. That's awesome. Third thing, while I'm doing our final segment here, I uh, 
I just sent you on FB the link to Maven's theme song. We got to close this show with Maven's theme song. Secret banger. Brother, 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 brother. You don't think I already had this queued up? <laughs> My man. That's why we're the best. Boy. <laughs> that's why you're the man. That's why you are the king, my friend. So, yeah, that sounds like an awesome segment. The best kind of, like, WWE raw campiness. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. And that's why I have to say I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. All right. One more segment to go. And this is all you, Matt. All right, my friend. So, yeah. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but... uh, there's been a change at the top of world wrestling entertainment. Boris. Oh, really? Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, what? I know, right? Vince McMahon, out. John Laurinaitis, out. Kevin Dunn, hanging on by the skin of his teeth, to use an expression. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to so say that. that. <laughs> so that leaves us with the Triple H regime, the McMahon-Helmsley faction. Boris, it's running the show. So I thought today we would do a little top 10, top 10 wrestlers who are helped the most by the change of regime, top 10 wrestlers who are, who will be helped the most by the fact that Vince McMahon is on an island somewhere, hopefully not one owned by Jeffrey Epstein. Moving <laughs> on forever. Jesus. <laughs> so um, so the, the idea behind this list is the... <laughs> Is the 10 wrestlers who have been helped the most, right? So off the post on this list, I have two names who I don't want to include, though I do want to acknowledge. So Kevin Owens and Ricochet, I don't have on this list. They will be helped a lot by the Triple H regime, but I think they were going to be fine anyway. I think it's safe to say Kevin Owens under Vince McMahon would have won another WWE title someday yep. in his career. Ricochet, yep. he's he's he was finally starting. Vince McMahon was finally starting to get it. He was finally starting to get more of a push. I think Ricochet would have been fine. They're both way better off now, but these next 10 people are arguably like their careers have all been saved. Mm-hmm. Yep, that I think that's a perfect way to put it because I think you're 100% right about Kevin Owens and Ricochet. People can say what they want about Ricochet, but he gets his TV matches, right? He's featured on TV. He's won belts, I guess, right? So they yeah. were doing fine in that sense. Kevin Owens was being featured. You know, he's he was, he was given Austin at WrestleMania. It's not like they don't like him, but I think that their, their their careers are going to be helped and moving forward they will do well much better than they would have without um the the, the the new regime but this list is people who essentially careers are saved yes exactly right so coming in at number 10 from nxt formerly nxt uk the a kid slash axiom So this is somebody who Vince McMahon would have never, ever gotten, never understood, no matter what gimmick he had, no matter how many masks or suits he was wearing. But Triple H is a wrestler and A-Kid is a wrestler's wrestler. This guy is brilliant in the ring, fundamentally sound, can be flashy, doesn't have to be, can bump, can sell, can uh, lock on the submissions, can do the high flying. A-Kid is an excellent wrestler. But a very small guy, soft-spoken Spaniard, and I think, yeah, I think he was fucked with Vince McMahon at the helm. But A-Kid slash maybe Axiom 
will be selling masks on the WWE main roster. I think he went from he went from someone who had no chance to the main at the main roster to he's he's going to be there one day. Agreed, a hundred percent, man. And I do think that he his career is going to be fine with Triple H at the Helmsley. Ah, I love it, love it, buddy. All right, number nine, and this might be controversial. You could argue she needs to be way higher, closer to number one. But I'm gonna I'm gonna play the AEW card here and say number nine, Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai's career is much better off now than it was. But I think AEW would have scooped her up eventually. I think they're starved for star power in the women's division. And I think Dakota Kai has a unique, great look. She could have gotten a shot in AEW. So I don't think her career was over without Triple H. But she was never going to the main roster in WWE. She was never going to be pushed as a superstar in WWE. And now she has that chance. Probably will be holding the women's tag team titles before too long with Io Shirai, who also is not on this list because she could have gone back to Japan and absolutely killed it. Like, Io Shirai is so talented. She would have been fine no matter what. Yep. Agreed. Thing with Dakota Kai, like, just remember, she was sitting at home up until SummerSlam. So Absolutely. already her career has improved since the regime change. Yes, yes, dramatically. But I do think eventually she would have found a home, even an impact somewhere, perhaps and stardom. Who knows? But yeah, so I would file EO closer to Kevin Owens. But Dakota Kai, I think, needs to be on this list at number nine. Number eight, Zoe Stark, somebody who Vince McMahon would have never, ever in a million years understood, never pushed. But she might be the NXT Women's Champion by the time that you see this video, even who knows, uh, or hear this podcast. We're going to break this out to a YouTube video as well. Hence why I just said those words. Anyway, big homie, Zoe Stark. She's an excellent wrestler. She is a worthy NXT champion if they do go that route. And she just doesn't have the look Vince McMahon obviously covets. Uh, we can see financial records of him coveting a certain look. And Zoe Stark didn't have it. So she's an excellent wrestler who now has a chance on the main roster. She will be on Raw or SmackDown one day. Of that, I am certain. Yep. Excellent, excellent, excellent. She doesn't have the Vince look. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Absolutely. But she has incredible amounts of talent. And I think now she's going to get a chance to show it. Yep. Number seven. This is this is uh, this is somebody who I, I had a lot of trouble ranking. I knew they needed to be on the list, but I was tough. It was tough to rank them. So we're going to put them here. Number seven, Ilya Dragunov. So I do think he might have gotten a chance at the main roster with Vince McMahon at the helm. The thing is, in this political climate, a Russian character could you imagine how Vince McMahon would have used this guy? Could you imagine what his future might have been? He could have been fucking Sergeant Slaughter. He might have been the Iron Sheik. This could have been Nikolai Volkov. He would have either been a soldier or a billionaire Russian giving money to the powers that be. That that would have been I, his gimmick. Yeah, I think he's close. I think Vince McMahon would have seen this guy and said soldier. I think you nailed the first one. But either way, it would have been bad and offensive and dumb. And I think he can come in and just be an excellent wrestler. So Ilya Dragunov is somebody whose career has been quietly saved by Triple H's uh, taking over WWE. I like how you use Triple H and take over. I like that. <laughs> Plant the seed into the universe's head. Exactly. Uh, number, number six, Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is someone who should have been on the main roster five years ago, probably. And now I think he's got a chance. Tyler Bate, spoiler, 
big flashing spoiler, NXT UK spoiler. Your current NXT UK champion, Tyler Bate, is uh, he's going to the main roster sooner than later. In fact, he might be wrestling on Clash at the Castle September 3rd. Saturday, September 3rd, yes. Yeah, Tyler Bate going from absolutely no chance Vince McMahon would ever understand or push this guy to Triple H will give him a shot. Somebody we've already seen that happen to to some extent on WWE Raw. Number five, Tommaso Ciampa, a.k.a. Champa. at this point. He is, uh, did he get his first name back yet? Not yet, not yet. But he has gotten a hell of a match and a hell of a couple week run since the regime change. Absolutely, yeah. So he won a triple threat match, beat AJ Styles to earn a WWE US title match against Bobby Lashley, which was awesome. Really good match. He ended up losing to Lashley, but the the push is in order. Tommaso Ciampa is, I don't know if you could ever call him a WWE champion in the future. I think it's pretty clear he won't be a WWE champion, but he is. Here's the thing, Matt. The way that they're treating the secondary U.S. and Intercontinental Champions. Did you watch SmackDown's uh, match with uh, Gunther and Nakamura? I haven't yet, but it's on the DVR. I will not delete that episode until I do watch it. Yeah, they're treating the U.S. and IC titles like they mean something. They're so, they're, they're important again. Yeah, my, that's exactly my point. So I can happily say I can see Tommaso Ciampa as a U.S. or Intercontinental Champion. I think so. I, I think he will have that like mid card workhorse role in WWE for the next until his, his body hole uh, gives out. Really, yeah. I would think he's no spring chicken, right? Like he's thirty seven. No. He's my and, age. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and has had a rough few years in terms of injuries for sure. All right, so our next four wrestlers are people who I think have gone from essentially like nothing to potential world champions. So we're going to start here with number four, Shayna Baszler. And the only reason she's number four is because she already was on the main roster. She was established. She wasn't going anywhere. But if you've watched WWE since she's been called up, she was very much slotted in a lower mid-card role, tag team kind of role. Shayna Baszler is a fucking killer. Triple H knows that. Shayna Baszler is going to win the Raw or SmackDown women's title now. That's an inevitability. I would put it at like 99%. Yeah, exactly. And she does have a chance at Clash of the Castle. Exactly right. I think that's too early, but in her career, she will do it. Maybe she does it at Clash of the Castle, though. That'd be a really great way to push her, like to really show you that she's back. I'm very interested to see where this whole Liv Morgan storyline goes just because of the booze and all that fun stuff. But that, that's a conversation for the Smack Daddies to have. <laughs> I love it. And yeah, we can leave it for them. So, yeah, I would say Shayna Baszler's percent chance of winning the world title one day went from like, I don't know, 10 to like 99. But I'm only ranking her at number four because she was already on the main roster. She already had a job. But it's still like she's she's gone from kind of nothing to a legitimate main event player now, I would say. Yep. Number three, someone who went from nothing, nothing to an outside shot at a world title one day. AJ Francis, top dollar, number three, most benefiting from the Triple H regime shift. He's back. 
He's back. And he's the leader of, of the crew now. He is the leader of the OG3, which is funny because the OG of the OG4 is not there. So none of these three are actually OG. The OG is in AEW, neither here nor there. Top Dollar, I would say right now, has gone from out of the business completely. I don't think he even worked a single indie match, or maybe he worked one or two since he was fired. He went from out of wrestling to pushed on SmackDown, 6'5", 320 pounds, even in Triple H's regime. Nah, he, though he likes wrestlers, he still understands you need big bodies, you need big personalities. I'd say he's got a shot at one day being world champion. At least he's he's going to be in the upper mid-card of WWE for a very long time. Yep, agreed. That's a great call with AJ Francis. Yeah, he's... That was, that was, it's funny just because we talked about them last week. Yeah, exactly. I specifically was like, oh, I feel bad for Ashanti. I don't think we'll ever see him again in wrestling. And then <laughs> exactly. like five days later, he was on SmackDown. So yep. I'm a fucking idiot. Never forget. Don't listen to a single word I said. Yeah, you single-handedly right. got the Iconics fired. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Stop saying that. The Iconics are, they, they're not even in wrestling anymore. They, they, the right thing happened. All right, so number two, this is a tough one. It's a little bit of a flex. It's a little bit of a prediction. Uh, holler at me Saturday, September 3rd, when this is born correct. Number two, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. I'm telling you, future WWE champion, Bray Wyatt. Number two, most help. That's, that's a ballsy call, my friend. Uh, it'll be less ballsy in about a week, I'm telling you. Anyway, we'll see. I don't have inside sources, by the way. I might be very wrong. I don't want inside sources. I want to always have the fans' perspective. I'm just telling you, that's going to happen for sure. Uh, and the number one most helped wrestler, I don't think it's de- I don't think it's debatable. I think it's obvious, it's clear. Carry on cross. Yeah. Killer Cross, Carrying Cross. He went from controlling his narrative, Boris, to a potential WWE title run against Drew McIntyre and or Roman Reigns. This guy is now a main eventer in WWE. And a month ago, he was on, I don't know, the the lower, lower mid card of Ric Flair's first show. Right. Like this guy's career has just skyrocketed again. And he has old three H's. To thank. So carry on cross featuring Scarlet, by far the winner of this list. I don't think it's close. Yeah, you're 100% right. I think that list is a great list. I think that another list that we should take a look at is, you know, top returns. Who, who do we want to see coming back? No, I like it. We could whip that up maybe next week. I love the theme song, brother. You're on it, big homie. You're on it. You know it. So that is, bam, that right there were the top 10 people most benefited from the Triple H McMahon regime. Uh, There you go. All right. A little bit of a longer show, but we had tons to talk about on the sports side and on the wrestling side. Wanted to catch people up with some impact engines. GCW, um, you know, always a fantastic time chatting wrestling, you know, because here on band, we talk about everything else and let us know what you think of the formats. You know, I don't want to do blow by blow all the time, especially for indie shows, especially for impact, um, unless it's a major show. Uh, But uh, let us know how you like to consume the news. And just remember this week, we have tons of shows. We have NXT talk coming at you Tuesday night, Wednesday and Thursday, G1 semifinals and finals. That's Boris and Matt coming at you. Crazy week. 
crazy God, times. Oh, Fun week. Good. Can't wait. So much to get to. You know what, man? I like that we all have different views. Like Joe Aguinaldo, when he reviews a show, detailed, super, super in-depth notes. And then someone like yourself or Mike or me, we kind of try to take a different approach. You know what I mean? And kind of everyone has their own like speed on it. Mouth is really, really detailed with his notes, you know what I mean? But, like, we got to go big picture, and I, I like that. We have different looks, uh, different pitches to throw at you. So that's how that's how I like to consume it, you know what I mean? And I, I would love to hear some feedback. We can definitely maybe tidy a few things up here on the show, like this outro that I'm doing right now. Yeah, regardless, it's all good, man. <laughs> One of the things that we do want to try out is kind of having more micro-reviews so that we can throw them up on the TikTok, on the YouTubes. But all of this is coming at you, like I talked about on the on the Rampage Ramble. What do you as a Patreon want to see to continue being a Patreon, to add value to being a SNME Patreon? Because we do this for you at the end of the day. Leave us your feedback. Be brutally honest. I will be sending out a Patreon note uh, from the platform itself for this feedback thank you for listening to bam he's matt i'm boris just remember stay tranquilo yeah, yeah, yeah.